Abdullah. Hello and welcome back to an unusual but far happier Monday morning Sunderland review show. Uh, magnificent, if unexpected, Sunderland performance and should we took a superb 1-0 win at Carroll Road as we beat in-form Norwich City. Um, and before anyone asks, yes, I've been very quick to remind Chris Reeve, my preview guest, of the fact that we did win 1-0. Um, but please leave him alone and it'd be nice to him. He's a very nice chap. But yes, we did beat his team 1-0. Hurrah! Um, as always, uh, I am joined by two people this week, which is not actually as always. That's actually quite unusual these days. Um, um, since he's had the past few weeks off, I'll come to him last. So first and foremost, Dave, how are you doing? Are you all right? <laughs> yeah, very well, mate. And to be honest, I think we've, uh, I mean, no disrespect to Ross or um, that other guy that we sometimes have on, but uh, apparently people have absolutely loved the two-man show. So uh, watch out, boys, yeah. It's basically two girls, one cup, isn't it? Um, two boys, one cup. The friendly the, cup. The friendly cup. <laughs> yeah, we were all on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> so pleased you were, um, Ross. You've uh, you've decided to join this week since we won the game of football. Uh, Brad, don't know what's happened to him. Uh, fingers crossed, he's, he never comes back. Now, love you really, Brad. Ross, how are you doing? You all right? I am good. It does look a bit suspect, doesn't it, that I'm back for a win? <clears throat> um, I did not plan this. It's just been scheduling wise. So, but I buzzing. It was good to see us win and just not concede a goal for the first time in forever. Yeah, because you were in that London, weren't you, last week, I think? Yeah, that was the week before. Last week, I was out for a family meal. You say, I'm just, just a busy man. Busy man. Places yeah. to go. People to see. I mean, I was, I was in London yesterday. I got a bit. Got in at two in the morning. Got a bit. Half nine. Ross, just saying. Uh, look at me. I've got a week off work, so I'm happy as Larry as well. I've got a day off work, so I decided to do a podcast. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, <laughs> Dave, I'll come to you first. I don't think any of us expected it at all. Um, to be fair, I know I kind of like just had a bit of a laugh there with a the preview show, but I said we could beat 3-1. Like I was as underconfident as maybe Norwich were as a fan base feeling confident going into it. And Norwich are a really good side that I think we've seen how good they were in terms of strength and depth and, and the numbers and the genuine quality they have in the squad and they're in form at the start of the season when um they probably weren't anywhere near as good as the plane at the minute, but we've gone there and deservedly won one nil. So we're kind of like almost twenty four hours later for a change. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, um, I, I was uh, I was actually up in the northeast, typical when we're playing away from home. But with uh, with were you family. playing it? Were you playing away from home? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Um, but me, I was I watched it with uh, with family, which was quite nice. Um, and yeah, it, uh, I said, my uncle had turned around and said, like, oh, you know, this is going to be a tough, tough game today, uh, which I don't think it was any less tough. But I did say, it and I was like, listen, this is just the Sunderland way, isn't it? I think you tweeted it as well. When you least expect that we turn up and we put something in. And it's it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a, an old school performance yesterday, I guess. We're so used to being good and fluid on the ball and, and, and it, in spells, we were yesterday. However, I think the bit for me, and I absolutely hate to see it, and he's been dining out on it since last night anyway, but Bowers and these clean sheets. In a game like that where, you know, it is backs to the wall for quite a bit of it, it's, um, it's nice. It's nice to see, well, considering we haven't got a lot of men in this team, shall we say, a lot of... A lot of young lads, the likes of um, the likes of Luke O'Nine, who I think made ultimately the massive difference yesterday. Um, Luke O'Nine, Danny Bart, 
Ballard, special mentions too, but the the way that we threw ourselves in front of the ball to protect Pato was was immense. So um yeah, a, a different kind of performance. Um battling qualities, but yeah, very much enjoyed it. Enjoyed the and especially enjoyed the end result. I know what you mean with that with a performance. It was like um we've got a lot of young boys in the team and there's been negatives that have came with that as recently as last week, um, where I felt it really stunted us. But yesterday was like a proper man's performance, which I think will do a lot of them an absolute world good. And you know, don't get me wrong, the likes of um, I mean, I know Dan Ball is 22, but look, he looks like he's about 40, uh, with a 12 year old's face, he's massive. So I'm going to class Dan Ballard as a man. Um, I mean, I certainly wouldn't call him anything less to his face. Um, Danny Ball, obviously, vastly experienced, Luke 09 now coming in at 27, 28. So a couple of experienced players on there, but I think for the young lads, like the ones that really stuck out, which I'm sure will come into, like Mishu, um, Abdullah Bar, literally young kids. Um, we'll come on to Geldhart as well, who I thought had a, a good performance in many ways. But all the young lads, that's probably going to do them the world of good that they won a game by not just playing like super pretty football, by just getting in the way of stuff, winning second balls, winning loose balls. And I think, I, I can't remember which podcast I said this on. I don't think actually it was this one. It was one of the other ones I do, but you can tend to tell if you're going to put in a good performance by how many loose balls you win in the first 15, 20 minutes, how many second balls you win in, because I think that tends to be about desire as opposed to quality. And I think we won the majority of them for the first 45 yesterday. Um, second half, difficult, obviously, um, or, or more difficult because of the quality players they can bring on. But I think a lot of the a lot of the first 20, 25 minutes, first 45, the fact that we won so many loose balls was all about desire. And I think... When I questioned last week why they're just down tools in the, the Stoke defeat, they did the exact opposite last week. And um, last week was probably the most negative we've been. It's definitely the most drunk I've been. Um, but when it comes to what we've said a lot of times this season, it's all about the response. And it was starting to worry me a bit that we'd lost to Rotherham, we'd lost to Coventry, we'd lost to, lost to Stoke. And, and the Stoke game, the kind of attitude wasn't perfect for me. The, the tools were down a little bit. But as they've done almost every time this season, it doesn't seem to be long before those tools are picked right back up and kind of used as, as weapons almost and, and really respond really, really well. And I have to just keep giving credit to, in this sense, this week, the, the management and the team, because um, it's exactly the kind of performance I probably would have wanted. Um, I didn't necessarily want us to go and play amazing, pretty football where, and don't get me wrong, we did, but like, you know, the Redden performance where we just looked great on the ball because I think sometimes you need grit and determination and you need everything to win games at places like uh, Norwich and Carroll Road. And, and I felt we did that yesterday. I thought yesterday was the perfect performance and the perfect response to all the results we've had recently in the performances. But um, Ross, I'll stop waffling, mate. How do you feel about it? I pretty much similar. Like, it was a proper response, wasn't it? That's a kind of, it's kind of what we required. Everybody was really annoyed at the manner of the defeat to Stoke. It wasn't because they were amazing or swashbuckling. It was they just wanted it more times, in my opinion. And it was good to see the, the players battling for everything. The intensity was back. The high press was back from the first half. For Gelhart and Barr was so much closer together, which made a huge difference. I think as good as Ahmad is, he can't play that role in the middle. He always drifts out wide. So having... Uh, a presence close at Gelhard, obviously, it, it brought the made him look much better as well because he needs someone around him. He's not a player that can hold it up on his own. He's one who can play it off. Um, for tactically, Mowbray was very good yesterday, and he's been given a lot of crap for the way he exposed Daniel. 
against Stoke by playing him on his own in centre midfield, basically. But yes, the, he, he made it really good on the ball, went basically 4-4-2, old school, yet out of possession. To me, it looked quite clear that Unayan went in a narrow as a left-sided centre-half and Clark became a left wing-back, essentially, which then also helped us just sit a low block when they were, the pressure was on us. And it really enabled us to get on the counter-attack. So he had the freedom to go forward. Well, nine just covered the left-hand side. And then Roberts as well on the right-hand side didn't have to be a wing-back because Hume was there. But he also he could bring the ball out. And that was our way out up until about, I'd say, about 65 minutes, 70 minutes when they made the changes. And it did really become a backs-against-the-wall job. But I thought Clark looked really good yesterday. Um he just, I don't know what it is. I think he just like, you see, so many players just stuck the chest out and went right. We need to show what we're about and how we can battle for this. And it was just a good, a good proper away performance. Okay, we had to put a lot of last minute blocks in, which we prefer not to do. We they got a too much time on the ball. I think especially the last twenty, that could also be tiredness and fatigue coming into it. The way Norwich do play a very expansive football, they keep a ball a lot. Mowbray's interview with Sky was brilliant after. If you haven't seen it, um, he went so in depth. <laughs> he probably went a bit too in depth, giving away how to play against us. <laughs> so Sheffield United will be buzzing with that for uh, Wednesday. But yeah, he, he, I think he got it spot on yesterday. And the only thing I got a bit worried was with his subs, um, because he took Mitchell off and Neil was there on a yellow card. But in the end, we got three points, and if we took if we took our chances. You'd say it probably would have been a lot clearer by half time. I know what you mean about the subs. I felt the same because um, Daniel was booked, and <laughs> I was expecting Daniel to kind of do that thing where he loses the ball on the edge of his own D and just wallops a lad to stop him getting anywhere. But I think um, in the end, when you look at the game, the subs are actually perfect. Questioned them at the time, but he got them spot on. Um, in terms of performances that were there there's a few ones that I wanted to pick out directly Dave so I'll come to you with it because uh, I think it was probably outside of the goal and the fact we won the talking point of the game and um, certainly if you're on TikTok these days it seems but um, Luko 9 came back into the team played at left back it's not where he's played that often he's played at right back quite a bit he's played in midfield he's played a lot of games at centre half especially this season but um, he came in at left back because Serkin's injured and Alessi's done for the season so you've got like the only option really is Luke 9 because you know he'll play wherever you ask him to essentially I don't think left back's his best position I think it's centre half but just his presence in the team the ability to like noise people up and show a bit of experience I think we've missed massively in that those those games that were played um recently against Coventry especially and then also against um against Stoke especially and we came on second half but I mean way but I think O'Neill's presence in the team was massive yesterday. And I think it was like summed up by the fact that he gave Jacob Sorensen a lovely little peck on the <laughs> a peck on the face. Hilarious, but at the same time, it's everything O'Neill's about, and I think he deserves credit for what he brings to the team, both on the pitch and both uh, mentality. Dave, doesn't he? Yeah, but mentality wise, a little bit street wise. Listen, he's one of the seniors in there nowadays, and you can tell the school in which he's come from. You can tell he was at a Wigan Wanderers. Um, and 
listen, it's needed. Every team needs it. Go back even before the McAleary rule and stuff like that. Robbie Savage made a career out of it. I absolutely hate him. Pantomime villain. But he did a job for the team to allow the flair players, the creative players, to do what they need to do. Um, yeah, I I always struggle to, to have him centre midfield just because I think the game passes him by a little bit. Special mention to Dan Neil yesterday. I think that was probably a little tactic from, from Tony Mowbray to, to play him as a, a slightly different midfielder yesterday. Um, and, and kudos to him. He... he the amount of blocks he made on the edge of the box was phenomenal. Um, Luke 9 listen, like I've said many times this season already, there's been, I, I always thought he was a limited footballer, but he just seems to get better and better. Not just attitude-wise, not just shithousery-wise, but in terms of actual technique. And listen, he deserves his place in and around the team, definitely deserves his place in the squad. And I think yesterday would have been a lot more difficult without them. And there's plenty of people that need kudos for yesterday. But I especially think 9 probably made a huge, huge difference. Yeah, he, he really did. Um, I mean, <laughs> the kiss on Sorensen was just funny, man. Like, I know, like, some people are like, oh, you can't do that, you can't do that. And, you know, what? everyone's got a valid point on it. But for me, it was just very funny and kind of, probably better these piggyback from the other week. And I think what I quite liked about nine with that is almost tongue in cheek, by the way, Jay. Almost I almost. Um what I quite like about O9 and those situations, and again, people will differ in opinion, that's all right. But like I think with O9, those things come out of just wanting something to win. Like he doesn't want he didn't want to be bullied yesterday. He kind of he threw the land to the, the bar a little bit, give him a little nudge, you know, which which happens. It's not great, but it was just a little nudge to make sure that he knew he was there, which we probably missed last week. Um, and I think lad gets up, gives him a bit of a bit of aggro. And I think the lad was going head to head with him, actually. I don't think O'Nine's gone at him. If you watch it, Sorensen's kind of going in to kind of go head to head with him. Not head button, but he's going head to head. And O'Nine's kind of knows what he's doing, gives him a little kiss, makes it funny, kind of embarrasses him a little bit. And then the lad loses his rag, and arguably, by the, the letters of the law, he should be red carded at that point because he's got his hands around his throat. We've seen Casimiro get sent off the other week for that, and I don't think anyone can argue with it. You raise your hands, he should get sent off. So he's, in a sense, he's kind of in the, initiated something that realistically should have ended up in Norwich having a player sent off, and he's also swung them off the game in the 89th, 90th minute. The piggyback, the lad's running clean through on goal. He's just like, I've got to tackle him, I've got to take him out, I've got to take the tactical foul. I think all of it ultimately comes down to 0-9, just wants something to win. Um, and I know some people don't like the fist punch and stuff like that. And I know some people don't like certain things he does. But for me, I love it. I think it's just the best thing. Um, if you literally do anything for something to win, I've got your side 100%. And I think everything that he does is about something getting three points or something getting something positive. But but Ross, what were your thoughts on um, Kiskate? Ah, it was just it was funny, honest, but... As you say, should have been sent off, but that referee, bloody hell. I know we can, we can always blame referees when we don't get points, but we got three points and I'm still going to call it out. He was absolutely horrific for both teams. It was like he'd won a competition. He didn't have a clue. And just, I can't even just pinpoint one like major thing that he got wrong because he just, just the little things like the niggly fouls that he didn't give and then 
even for Norwich, like Equa clearly made a bad challenge and they got in on they had a real chance to go two v two at the back and he just pulled it back and boot Equa past the halfway line. And that was like for us. And you're watching that and you're thinking, has he ever refereed a game of football before? Um aye, it was bad, really bad. And then six minutes might as well just put up until Norwich score. We went into it went into eight minutes. I think as people know, I was in I was in London yesterday, so I was like um kind of cheekily watching the stream, shall we save the match on the side? And I was like I was a little bit behind and I'm thinking, right, it's gotta be over now. And you still hadn't like message in the group chat and it was at ninety seven. And I was like, just, just blow the whistle. Like but I think I think you're right in what you're saying. We we got to a point where we were like almost like steadfast, not gonna be discussing referees, but now we end up doing it every week. But I think it's right to bring it up this week because it's not just when we get beat, it's also when we win. That referee was awful. You just around around the whole, both teams weren't great. There was the one where, I think it was Max Ahrens, where Max Ahrens is like just falls on the floor and Jack Clark's literally just behind him. And it's like, how can he not see that? It's obvious. Well, some of the, some of the decisions, like you say, it's like he was so influenced, I think, by whatever the opposition player was doing. So... I, I, I honestly, I can't even like put the words together because I, I don't understand what his thought process was to even well, think that way. Ultimately, that Max Aaron's one, he's guessed, he's guessed how a football game works. There's just no two ways around it. That's what he's done. He's guessed, and it's absolutely scandalous that referees are professional nowadays and they're guessing because you might as well just get one of us to do it. It's absolutely ridiculous. By the way, I wasn't not paying attention to what you've just said, and this is going to be pointless to the people listening, but I'm leaving it in. Um, I'm so tired this morning that I, Ash has got a book here, and I thought it said Peter K. I thought he'd been writing crime novels. It's actually Peter May. Uh, I thought Peter K was writing crime novels these days. Turns out he's not. Um, anyway, moving on from Peter K. Um, I'll I'll come back to you with this one, Dave. Um, I think it's probably one worth digging into. I, I said before... I think I said before, one of the, the better performances of the day was Geldhart. I thought his role in the goal was really good. I thought his effort was really good. He, the chance he kind of fashioned for himself was a lot about his strength. And it was a difficult chance to finish. The one where like he cuts in and he's got that sort of angle where he has to drive it. And he, he, he did have a good game. And I know he's had a, a bit of stick, including us as well. I, I do think... It's valid. You know, he does to me look like a number 10. He played well yesterday, but the one glaring chance that comes to him, if we're going to be a bit negative, is an absolute sitter, isn't it? But more positive than negative from Gail Tart yesterday, some signs of positivity, I think, Dave, maybe? It's it's unfortunate for him, the situation that he's come into, isn't it? Like, the one thing we always try to be is fair and balanced and so on. And Listen, he had an all right game, and you can probably see that alongside Ross Stewart, he's the perfect foil. And yes, everyone knows that I've got to mention Ross Stewart, and I live in the past and whatever, because I love him, and I do, and that won't change. Um, but you can see where it comes from. In terms, I think the, the Sky um, Sports uh, image was first half, or maybe even by the end of the game, most chances created, Joe Gelhart. You can see what he's all about. He's just that slightly deeper centre-forward. He's definitely got a good left foot. Listening, I thought at the time, and I've, I've just been browsing on Twitter while we were talking, but um, I thought at the time, I thought he had his foot 
now it's no excuse for not scoring the chance because and that's just a pure confidence thing it's as simple as that the reason he's missed that is confidence um but i thought he had his foot tapped from behind him as he was about to pull the trigger and i've just seen a, a replay on twitter and he has if he if he goes down there now listen probably the wrong referee to, to make the decision but if he goes down there that's a penalty and that's a red card it's simple as that I mean if you live in foresight it's not a red card because he would have missed <laughs> so you know but yeah he definitely has his foot tapped away from him a little bit uh, listen he's, he's one of them it, it is it's expectation versus reality versus the way that we play football He's a 20-year-old kid learning his trade. And for as much as, as a fan base, we expect that he scores chances like that because we've had someone for the past couple of seasons who would put that chance away. It's as simple as that. So because we're missing that, the expectation gets heightened on his shoulders when realistically, he, he's, if you're fair and you're balanced, he's been put into a situation that he shouldn't be in. Um, he had a better game. Mowbray is protecting him a little bit by getting Bar closer. I'm sure there was probably people looking at that. Quick shout out to Connor, who I believe even before we kicked off said, listen, don't worry, Bar has a world eater, dear. Listen, he probably tired towards the end because he looks as though he's about 12-year-old. But, I mean, it was a great finish. He was closer to Gellhart, which made a difference. We looked like we had an attack and threat, which has not been the case every week. More more positives than nothing else, and and fair play to Joe Gelhart. He keeps going. It would have been very easy for Tony Mowbray to drop Gelhart yesterday and try something different. Lugo nine up top, but I mean, I don't know which idiots are suggesting things like that. But if they are, then they just need to leave the professional management to someone professional, basically. Well, like me and you. Um... <clears throat> For the people who didn't listen to last week's show, I don't blame you, but uh, that's an inside joke that me and Dave both suggested that last week. We're not criticising anyone or saying we're better fans than anyone else. Um, <laughs> I wanted to touch on Bar a little bit, actually, Ross, because I cannot remember which game it was, but he played in like that advanced role, in that the number 10 role. And I remember when we first got him, he looked like someone who could like sweep stuff up, a bit like a, a younger version of Evans, where he was quite neat on the ball. His passing was decent, it was progressive. Because every time he got the ball, he used to kind of like when he had those twenty-minute cameos. When the, you know the first time we had no strikers, um, when he used to come on and have that kind of small area of the pitch and the number four role, he'd get the ball and pass quite progressively, but give it to the more um, advanced players and and the, like Diallo, Roberts, Clark, and yada yada. But the best I've seen Bar players when he's in a number ten role. If I'm honest, when he's more advanced, it's the best I've seen him or a number eight role, if you prefer. Do you think that, and I know we do this every week, is this the answer? But we've got Diallo out, we've got Pritchard out. Geldart obviously can't play in the 10 because he's the striker till the end of the season now. But is Bar like an, another answer for like an advanced role that could actually maybe pay dividends a little bit, Ross? I definitely. Um, it's interesting, Mowbray did say, I think in an interview a while back, that he sees Bar's position where Diallo is, so that's why it was hard for him to get in the team. So... By pure chance, he's got this opportunity. But you are right. I think it was the game we were talking about was Huddersfield away when he came on. He was absolutely brilliant. And he showed glimpses, but as well, he's a young lad. Another one who's having to learn the language, learn the culture. 
Uh, Mowbray has po- pointed out that a lot about some of the French kids. Um, and he's he looks like a player who is better in advanced areas because he's got a he's got a bit of skill about him. He can he can glide past players. He's not quick, but he just seems to have like, his long legs just seem to get past everyone a bit. I don't know how it is, but it just looks that way. Um, and to be fair, the one criticism I'd had before yesterday was every time you looked like you had a shot, it was powder puff. And then yesterday, he picks it up on the edge of the box, and it's a it's an unbelievable finish from his left foot. I don't know if he is left-footed or not, but um, it was an absolutely brilliant finish. And what I loved about it, like you say, the tactical switch that he made, he got so much closer to Gellhart. But the, 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 the played some brilliant bits of play without wide with Clark and Roberts as well. Um, he just looked really, really good. You know, there's there's no way about it. It's going to take time. It might be one of them where we've got what? How many games left is it? 10 or 11? Something like that. I think realistically now it's going to take something special to get the playoffs. I think that ship sailed. So why not just bet in these young lads who are going to be here for the future now? Give them chances in the positions that we think they can progress forward in. And he took his chance perfectly. He died off a bit. I think, obviously, that's his first game he started for quite a while, if I'm wrong. Um, but I'd be very happy to see him continue in that role. And if it brings a better Gellhart out as well, then it makes perfect sense for me, to him, to be getting running the team. Because he's we've got him here for a reason, because he's highly rated, and we think that eventually he's going to be good enough to start in the championship and make an impact. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think every time I've seen Bar just about, he's he's really impressed me, but he's more impressed me in the advanced role. He's had some games where he's looked like totally lost, like the Cardiff game, but like I'm I'm splitting hairs a little bit and I think it's probably expected that he's going to be like that. Um, I think as well, Graham, you mentioned the Cardiff game. Mm. That's when he played in the central midfield role and he, it's not his role for me in a two. He looked a bit lost, as you say. And I don't think it just suited his style of play because he wanted to get on the ball. He wanted to run a players. And when you're in tight central areas, that's where he was losing the ball and then putting us on the back foot. So I feel like he's definitely a player who can play in a more advanced area. But I don't know if he's an out-and-out like a Diallo replacement. I think obviously that's Lahaji who also came on and did okay, put a good shift in, chasing and pressing from the front. But I feel like he could play a bit a bit of a different one, like just behind the striker. A bit like an Embleton rule, to be honest. I think that's where Embleton plays best. Yeah, I, I feel like that as well, too, with Embo. And, you know, talking of Embo, I just before we move on, because uh, obviously we're not going to have a preview show for the Sheffield United game, because it's a midweek game, but since we're doing it on Monday, we'll have a bit of a chat about it. But I think ultimately, yesterday was a massive win. Um, very few negatives we can pull out. Referees, again, is a normal one. Um, and Gail Hart's miss. I think aside from that, if you told me we'd beat Norwich 1-0 with the form and the injuries that we've got, and the form that they're on, I would have, I would have bit your hand off. Um, I mean, looking at the game yesterday, we were writing it down just before we started, just before we moved into Sheffield United quickly. Yesterday, we were missing, as expected, Stewart, Sirkin, Alessi, Evans, Embo, Huggins, Sims has been recalled. But then you add on top of that Diallo and Pritchard, you're basically missing the entire creative hub of Sunderland's team and like half of its defence. Um, and we've gone to a really good side in Norwich, who I think will finish top six. I think they're a very good side in very good form. And I think people forget that, you know, Carroll was packed yesterday. They were all well up for it. They were all like kind of ready to sort of cement their place in the playoffs. And I think at the start of the season, we all said, you know, we look at the strength and depth that came off the bench in the game when we played it earlier in the season. We kind of said that won them the game earlier in the season. 
Um, and that was when they weren't on form. So I think it can't be underestimated how big that performance was. And I think ultimately, Tony Mowbray, the young lads, the experienced heads and everyone who put that performance in deserve a hell of a lot of credit because it's probably the majority of the reason we felt so positive for almost every podcast we've done this season is, is those sort of performances and those sort of uh, levels of effort and attitude that have been put in. So just just more of that, please. Um, and I'll be, I'll be more than appreciative. But we said it on last week's podcast, Dave, it's, it was a tough run of fixtures and we were kind of worried we were going to go on a, a seven-game losing streak. Uh, we've made sure that's not going to happen, but can't let up now. We've got Sheffield United who are having a little bit of a wobble compared to what they were last season. They're kind of almost weirdly maybe complacent, potentially, hopefully, <laughs> um, being six points clear. But I mean, ultimately, I'm, I'm trying to find reasons to be positive about another really tough game. It's a, a really, really tough game on, on Wednesday now, Sheffield United. But you've got to go there. Well, we've got to go at the stadium light. Think home fans behind us on the back of a good result and think we can get something positive. And I think, you know, anything that gains us either a point or three points would be seen as massively positive against arguably the, the second best side in the league. Yeah, massively. I mean, listen, the one thing that we see time and time again about this group of players is, and you've alluded to it earlier in the, in the short, like kind of, the, the they just bounce back all the time. There's an element of fearlessness, easy for me to say, um, or, or maybe maybe um, that's the wrong way to put it. Maybe there isn't an element of fearlessness. There's just an element of trust in their own ability. Maybe they are just a very, very good set of players. And I think we probably are. Mowbray has said it. We're two strikers short of a very, very, very good squad and team. Um, listen, there's nothing to be scared of. At, at times this season, Burnley, we played them off the park for the first 45 minutes at the Stadium of Light. Now, listen, yeah, experience tells through. A very good manager, potentially, in Vincent Company, A big budget, just come down for the Premier League, haven't lost too many players. Yeah, that's, you know... That's... Just want to point out that big budget might have been slightly legal, hence the, uh... <laughs> 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 hence the transfer embargo, Burnley. <laughs> Another see, daft see decision. We... There was a lot of chat last week, probably from myself included, Ross, where you know we felt like because those three defeats probably kills off the season a little bit. But if we're looking at it more positively, if we can put in results like yesterday, we can we can pick up a bit of momentum going into next season and be a little bit more um, confident that we we can get the playoffs without being hopeful that we, we could get the playoffs. Ross Stewart comes back in. You never know what sort of signings we're going to bring in in the summer. You've got the likes of Lee Hadji. He's going to have like six months under his belt. Yeah, I know we're going to lose Diallo and stuff like that um, in the summer and go back to Man United. But I think this season's ultimately going to be about putting in you know good performances across games like Burnley, Sheffield United, uh, Luton at home. And then ultimately outside of that, you know, beating the teams where you'd hope we, we are better on the pitch and just giving us as much positivity as we can. And hey, if we accidentally end up in the playoffs, that's kind of... That's great. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it's all about putting positivity in the next season. And that starts on starts with another big performance on Wednesday, Ross. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's probably a good time to be playing Sheffield United. They're only four points off Borough now, so they're well under the pump. They've only won two, I think, out of five league games. They lost on Saturday at Luton. Um, they're under a bit of pressure, and I feel like that win on yesterday 
takes a bit of pressure off us because we're not going on a crazy bad run. I think if we got beat again, everyone would be going the game full of dread, like, oh, this is going to get embarrassing, like another defeat, five in a row, defeats. But we've, we've, we're, we're just kind of like, it just feels like a bit of pressure has been taken off for now. We ha- we've stopped the rot, we've kept a clean sheet. We're at home, under the lights, midweek, and we're against a team who are good, there's no doubt about it, Sheffield United are a good team, they've got some brilliant players. In my view, they've got Premier League players in there, you know what I mean? And Dyer, the striker's fantastic. But the results have showed that they are feeling the pressure of the running, and this is where teams are either show what they're about or crumble. And I feel like if we can get on top in the early stages of the game and don't concede early, I feel like we've got a chance because they know they've got the likes of Bora like breathing down the necks. They need to come to Sullen and win, which also might leave gaps for us on the counter attack to expose. If we play like we did yesterday with Roberts and Clark and Barn Gelhart on the turn very quickly. I feel like it's a game that we can definitely compete in. Like even with ten men at their place, I thought we were really good. You know, and if you think well, that was with ten men, if we had eleven v eleven on that day, I don't think we get beat. Of course, we had a striker then, we had two, dizzy heights. <laughs> but um, but I I just feel like now it it just feels like a bit of a bit of a pressure released after the win yesterday, and it's a game where. The pressure's on Sheffield United more than it is us, mm-hmm. which I feel like with the squad we have, that's when we're at our best. When we yeah. can just express ourselves with no pressure on it. Like the Alex Neil homecoming, I think, added a bit more pressure to our players, and you could tell. Mm. It felt like again we had to win. And it it it, it, it just I, obviously that wasn't the reason we got beat. We got beat because we were shy and we crumbled. But I feel like just the whole atmosphere in the place will be better on Wednesday. And I just hope we can back up what we did yesterday because it was positive. But if we then go and get tonked again at home, then it just it, it, it kills it a bit, doesn't it? It kills the feel-good factor that we got back. And our home form has been a bit dodgy this season. And that's one thing we need to, we need to pick up on. It's got better than it was at the start, but I, I tell you one thing I've just noticed here with Sheffield United, um, just really quickly, I actually didn't think they were in the kind of run of form they were. They've lost four of the last six in their last four games. They've all ended up 1-0 either way. So it seems like every game's nip and tuck. So I think me and Chris in the preview show spoke about it and said how important the first goal was on uh, Sunday. And he said, if if we get it, you, know, you never know what might happen and end up where we did. And it became something to defend and it allowed us to be a bit more on the counter-attack because we could kind of sit back a little bit, expect them to come to us and then that's where we got the majority of our chances was hitting them on the break and that's what made it look like a different kind of win to what we would normally get. But I think with Sheffield United, like you say, the pressure's all on them. If we get beat off Sheffield United, hey, they're a good side. Um, they've shown that all season. They've got probably one of the best strikers in the league as well and in uh, and die. They've got a lot of good Premier League players in that squad as well, but pressure's massively on them. Um, if we lose, we just move on to Saturday. Um, we don't want to lose, obviously, but then there's another game to quickly get over and another home game as well. Another tough game, but another game. Sheffield United lose. They're suddenly like Middlesbrough, like almost level on points with them if Borough win. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's another total free hit on Wednesday. And I'm, 
I wouldn't say I'm confident, but I'm positive heading into it, and that's all because of the performance the boys put in yesterday. But um, Dave, Ross, I'll, I'll leave it there um, and get this out so people can listen to a bit of positivity rather than last week's drunken mumbles. Um, but appreciate you coming on. Ross, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, I, always a pleasure. Twice. Always a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, be, I'll, next that be out. Back, I'll next be back when we win. No, I'm leaving that in. Um, <laughs> Dave, thanks for... Uh, Thanks for just being the Luke 9 of the show, the man who's just always consistently... <laughs> uh, I bet we never thought that was going to happen at the start of the season, Dave, but always consistently there and will uh, give us all to make sure the podcast is a winner. Um, on a Wednesday, lads. Thanks very much. All the best, mate. Cheers. Cheers, lads. Cheers.